Welcome to the Spirited Advocate Podcast, brought to you by the Distilled Spirits Council of the United States, the leading voice for the distilled spirits industry. Now your host, Chris Wonger. Hi, everyone. Thanks uh, for joining again on the Spirited Advocate Podcast. Uh, we're excited today because we have David Jabor with Twin Liquors based out of Austin, Texas. And uh for those of you who don't know David Jabor and Twin Liquors, which I would imagine many of you are fully familiar of their great retail outlets in the Lone Star State, uh, David uh, and the Jabor family have really been on the forefront of the distilled spirits industry for many, many years. And uh, uh, they've got great stores uh, all around Texas, 90 in fact. So David, thank you for joining us and we're glad to have you here with us. Uh, you know, we're living in u- unique times through the pandemic and so forth. But if you would, just tell us about uh, Twin Liquors and the history of it uh, with both you and Margaret. And uh, uh, just tell us the story about Twin Liquors, if you could. Certainly, Chris. Glad to be here with you today. Um, Twin Liquors goes back uh, really the dawn of such uh, in, in mercantile uh, uh, commerce was such that um when the family immigrated to Austin, Texas in the late 1800s, the family really developed a general mercantile commerce um, and did such up until uh, the repeal of Prohibition. And then so shortly after the repeal of Prohibition, um, our grandfather um, got into the beverage alcohol business. Um, and, then, uh, and then my dad and his twin brother, i.e. and thus the name Twin Liquors, um, got into uh, the industry uh, shortly after repeal. Um, And uh, dad and twin brother did business uh, together um, pre-World War II together and then uh, then went off and served uh, uh, in in World War II, uh, came back um, to the U.S. and then uh, and then uh, continued to work together side by side. Um, in fact, they served um, in, uh, in, in uh, the U.S. Army together side by wow. side and then continued to come back and, and work together side by side for, for their career um, and did so together um, in downtown Austin for uh, many years from the, you know, as they came back from the war in the 40s all the way um, up until the early 80s. So dad and his um, twin brother retired um, for a very short period of time. Dad, uh, that was in uh, really the late stages of 1981. Um, dad was a people person and yeah. uh, really uh, was still, um, didn't really have hobbies. Um, his hobby was people in our industry. And uh, he really didn't like being retired. And so for a very, very short period of time, um, then uh, we we then developed uh, the twin concept, uh, the twin liquors concept, which was really a, a place for um, our, uh, our, our family to our immediate family to, uh, to, to be in business together. It was a small um, 700 square foot store in downtown Austin um, that was appropriately uh, uh, branded Twin Liquors in honor of our dad. Um, And so um, we actually opened that store on my 18th birthday 
Um, and so I enjoyed uh, my 18th birthday by uh, working in the store after school. I was a senior in high school at the time and always grew up. My sister and I grew up in, in this business, uh, obviously. And um, so that's what, uh, what I did for my 18th birthday was uh, enjoyed birthday cake and, uh, and an opportunity to initiate the twin brand uh, in 1982 as such. But it was a, a small 700-square-foot uh, store that uh, uh, was really focused on uh, the quality components of, of the, uh, the industry. At that time, um, uh, as I mentioned, I was a high school uh, senior then. Uh, in my by that time, David, it, the legal drinking age in Texas was 18 at the time, if I remember right. Was uh, was actually 19 at that time. Um, okay. However, um, there's a unique Texas law that enables uh, those that are under the age of 21, if you are a family member, um, to work alongside family in the business, to learn the business. And so... Uh -huh. Um, so there, there, uh, there I was on that, uh, on that day in 1982, but, um, uh, also included my, there was my dad and, uh, a now deceased brother that was involved in the business. Uh, and, uh, so that was really the dawn of the Twin Liquors brand. Awesome. With 90 stores now all throughout Texas. Sneaking right? up a little past uh, 90. We're nearing the 100 mark um, and are right at 100 units uh, in Texas based in Austin, um, Austin, San Antonio, Dallas, uh, Metro uh, to the east in Houston, to the west in um to the west in uh, uh, the Texas Hill Country and, uh, and soon to open in Lubbock. In Lubbock, you're going to open up a store in Lubbock. Very good. That'll open uh, up later this month. Absolutely. Where the great Texas Tech University is. That's where I went to school. No doubt. No so, doubt. Uh, well, congratulations with all of that success. And, and in the early 80s, uh, could you talk about premiumization? Because at the time, uh, it, just from a competitive landscape, distilled spirits was kind of on a downward trend during that time. Uh, unlike what we've seen today with the premiumization of the products and so forth, did you all take a decided focus in, 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 in the mid-80s of really uh, raising uh, the bar for premiumization of distilled spirits products? Chris, we did. And I'll tell you what, um, <clears throat> if you'll think back to that, uh, imagining a 700 square foot store, okay, yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> that stayed at 700 feet for uh, a little while. And then, then so that's, really, that's teeny, right? That's teeny. Very, very your stores. Yeah. So, so really think about not what we stocked, but what we did not stock. Ultimately, it was really a, a matter of um, stocking finer spirits um, and not stocking um, items that uh, were really the norm of the 50s and 60s and, and 70s that was truly more of a consumption-based uh, spirits economy as yep. a qualitative components. And so um, what went into that small 700-square-foot store was very hand-picked. Um, and, uh, and void of items that uh, we just plain and simply did not stock. Um, and so it was focused on premiumization um, and with the notion of having the store look beautiful 
um, and uh, very refined and uh, with, a, with an opportunity to connect with the customer. So that, that still holds true today. No doubt about it. And it determines the clientele that comes into the store because I can tell you from my own experience, having the privilege of it being in your stores, it's an experience. It's a shopping experience and you feel the premiumization aspect of that. Uh, you and I have talked in the past about your, your commitment to brand building. There's always been an ongoing debate. Does brand building start in the on-premise or the off-premise? And you're really, really passionate about what Twin Liquors does in, uh, in helping to build great brands, great brands uh, uh, in, in Texas. Could you talk a little bit about your perspective on brand building and how uh, the off-premise uh, retail outlet is a perfect place really to build great brands for years to come? No doubt. And, and Chris, we know that it's both on and off, but certainly... Um, from a from an off-premise retailer's perspective, we we take a lot of um, pride and focus in building brands and have for for decades, and uh, and and it's really a function of um, understanding the lineage, understanding um, what's in the bottle, um, the story that's in the bottle, the passion that's in the bottle, um, the families that have been. Uh, part of the heritage of what's in the bottle, and 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 really being able to tell those stories, and and for those new brands that are emerging to be able to share insight um, with the um, wholesaler and supplier um, to focus on the development of those brands. And one thing that's always been very fundamental um, with our brand building, and we've we've assisted in building a lot of brands that are are now very much household names um, going back decades. But uh, what's really fundamental is that we've always been focused with what um, our suppliers produce and our wholesalers represent. And uh, those are brands that um, we know that you represent. And um, there are a lot of brands out there, okay? And we all recognize that. And there's so many good brands out there that are sometimes even forgotten. And so you can even relaunch good brands uh, that have pedigree. Um, so it can be new um, or it could be something that's been forgotten um, that you come back to. Bring and, it back to uh, life. Yeah. And you bring it back to life. And that's what we enjoy being able to, to do is to, that's, that's retailing. That is absolutely retailing. That's, that's in our heritage, uh, that, those mercantile roots in, you know, recognizing when our family, um, when my grandfather had a, um, had a, uh, was a, a peddler uh, on the corner of 6th and Congress Avenue as he had immigrated to the United States um, and then got that first storefront. Um, you know, that, that, uh, you know, that, that understanding of um, selling and developing brands is, is fundamental. And so that's, that's been part of our history um, for generations. We're in our third generation now. No doubt. And, um, and fourth generation is, is part of the business now as well. But that is fundamentally part of uh, how we build brands. And could you tell us about Twin Liquor's aspiration for the consumer experience? So a consumer comes, comes into the store. What's your, what's your best aspiration for that experience? Why they, why they walk into the doors to 
determine what what type of distilled spirits product that they may purchase? Well, it always it always develops with a relationship and uh, understanding your consumer and having the trust and that mutual respect and mutual trust. And 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 as we know that consumer in the classic sense, in the traditional retail sense. Um, it's uh, it's developing a relationship in those neighborhoods and communities, um, and so that our team truly understands who they're uh, doing business with, so they can make those right recommendations and um, and and help to share um, um, what's in the bottle and the story. Um, and what we find is when you're able to share that story and that reason as to why we're um, uh, so passionate about building a brand um, that resonates at the store level. That passion that my sister Margaret and I have and our leadership um, resonates at the store manager uh, level and at the at the team level. And so those are brands are that are that are built um, in those neighborhoods and communities because um, we we have a, a strong passion and desire to see those brands succeed. Absolutely. And you do a lot to get back to the communities where the stores are, right? Is that a big component of uh, the Twin Liquors vision? Chris, that's all part of the inner fabric and, and really ultimately doing the right thing um, in our communities. It's serving our neighborhoods, serving our communities. Um, and, and, and part of that is a big part of it is uh, responding to the needs of our our uh, the, the charitable needs of our communities. Um, so that's that's always been an inner fabric of what we believe in that uh, that spans generations. Um, you know, certainly it would have been more simplistic um, at my grandfather's level or at my dad's level, but uh, that whole desire to connect and serve has always been there generationally. And and I'll tell you where I really. Uh, uh, really learned it as well a lot is I, um, after getting out of business school at the University of Texas, I, I was not only involved in um, Twin Liquors uh, in the infancy of Twin, but I was also a commercial banker and did that for 15 years concurrently with um, the development of Twin Liquors. And and in that banking um, environment, which is truly a relationship business uh, that that assimilates very similar, similar but different average alcohol. Yep. It's all about relationships, and then that uh, that service, that uh, dedication to the communities through the the charitable elements was very much ingrained um, in me th- through that uh, that perspective. So, um, uh, charities that I was involved in through my banking career. Um, ended up parlaying into charities that uh, were early on charities that we began to work with in the uh, in the development of Twin. And as we continued to grow Twin, um, that impact min- continued to grow, certainly beyond the Austin community and to all of the communities that we serve. We have a tough Absolutely. time saying no. We find a way to say yes um, to everybody that we can, um, except when it's not appropriate. Um, we, we stay away from, um, you know, obviously charities that would ever come anywhere close to, um, having, um, underage access, of course, responsibility always being the key, um, of course, but outside of that, uh, we find a way to, to say yes to as many causes that is absolutely possible in some way or another. 
And of course, upholding high standards of responsibility are always a big component of everything that Twin Liquors does, right? Uh, There's no doubt about it. And, um, and that's something that has been ingrained uh, for so long um, in, in how, we, how we serve um, our, our communities with, uh, with beverage alcohol. Um, absolutely fundamentally ingrained um, as, a, as a fundamental tenant, as we all, as we all know. Absolutely. Today's podcast is sponsored by the law firm of Gray Robinson, PA, in its nationwide alcohol law group, providing legal guidance and spirited counsel to America's retailers, distributors, and distillers for over 30 years. The professionals of Gray Robinson work diligently to help industry members navigate the challenges of COVID-19 and reap the benefits of the 21st century e-commerce platforms, like respecting the traditional three-tier regulation platform. Interested in developing a web-based platform to support your pandemic sales and deliveries while taking your existing customer relations efforts to the next level? The lawyers and the counsel at Gray Robinson can help identify and implement technology opportunities. Wondering how customer sales data can add value to your business? Gray Robinson professionals have deep knowledge regarding the legal considerations associated with harvesting and analyzing, commercializing, and protecting customer data. Our thanks to Gray Robinson, a proud partner member of the Distilled Spirits Council of the United States. Under the, you know, we've been living in this pandemic for eight or nine months now, and certainly to some degree, uh, the off-premise, uh, the off-off-premise sector has has enjoyed some benefits as a result of that, but no doubt challenges. Certainly, uh, the challenges with our on-premise partners, many of them having to close and so forth. Uh, could you tell us a little bit of how Twin Liquors have have navigated uh, the pandemic, keeping your employees safe, obviously, but at the same time uh, upholding uh, the needs of uh, your great customers? Yeah, certainly. As we as we all look back at uh, you know the advent of uh, the outbreak of of COVID, um, safety uh, certainly fundamentally uh, at the forefront, initiating all of those safety standards and maintaining those safety standards for our communities and for our, our teams to one, feel comfortable um, in being in a retail environment. Because as we all know, uh, beverage alcohol being deemed essential um, was one of the only places that you could shop in the, at yeah. the outbreak, of course, us in grocery and, and select uh, you know venues. So we had to make certain that the communities were safe, uh, that our teams were safe. That all being in place, um, how do we then um, continue to move forward in uh, in what we do and don't do? So um, certainly um, that holds true uh, today as we're on the heels of the holidays and making certain that our communities are are safe as well um, in order to make sure that traffic flow in the stores is is safe. Um, I'll tell you one thing that we did with. Um, the on-premise community, um, as we are certainly tied to the on-premise community, as we've, as as those t- uh, members of our industry family were out of work, we brought on um, a number of on-premise um, wait staff, bartenders. Oh, good for you. Uh, 
throughout our organization um, so that we provided them stability in, um, in a work environment while keeping them involved in the industry that they love. And so as, as that sector has uh, continued to reopen, um, those, um, those chefs and those wait staff and, and mixologists have gone back to, um, by and large, back to their um, prior sector in the industry. But, uh, you know, we were a safety net there uh, because of those relationships that we have in the community um, to make certain that they had a place to provide for themselves and their families. Absolutely. Good for you. And thank you for the leadership because uh, certainly our, our, our colleagues in the on-premise sector have, have, have probably been most challenged uh, as a result of each different state and changing, you know, the capacity and the establishments and so forth. Uh, e-commerce, uh, certainly uh, the pandemic has, has really accelerated uh, the need for the industry uh, to to embrace e-commerce in in a lot of different forms. Here at Discus, we've tried to promote great three-tier system compliant e-commerce platforms like Minibar or Reserve Bar or Drizzly, of course. And uh, we did a podcast not too long ago uh, with John Wittig with Southern. Uh, to showcase the proof platform that has come about at LibDib in the partnership with RNDC and so forth. Could you tell us uh, about Twin Liquors' uh, vision of the e-commerce platform to help drive uh, not only uh, consumer convenience, but also uh, to drive uh, consumers to get to maybe get some of their favorite products that might not typically uh, be accessible in 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 a retail establishment. Could you just tell us about how y'all have embraced e-commerce? Certainly, Chris. I, I know that we we in the industry have all been uh, talking about e-commerce uh, pre-COVID and, yeah. uh, and, and recognizing what that experience is and, and such. And uh, we all realized, uh, and while we were in it pre-COVID, we really had to focus on it during COVID yeah. for consumer safety and, and making certain that we were um, really satisfying a consumer segment that did not feel comfortable coming into a store. Um, and so we we uh, obviously quickly further focused and mobilized, uh, ramped up in order to serve the uh, the rapidly escalating demands that, that we were all seeing in April. And um, so that giving uh, uh, us an opportunity to truly understand how we're serving the consumer um, now and going forward. E-commerce is not going away. Um, I think we all have to look at how do we continue to make it uh, meaningful um, to where we provide that same level of um, mimicked personalization, if you will, because certain customers are going to continue to shop via um, via. Um, e-commerce um, together with um, the in-store shopping experience. So um, we have to respect that that consumer um, will continue to shop in that mode and making that experience one meaningful so that they can understand how they can shop the brands that they're looking for, as well as expanding those brand offerings. But the most important thing that we have been fundamentally focused on um, pre-COVID and during um, the pandemic is the responsibility that 
is is fundamental in, in the delivery. Uh, that's something that we absolutely sweated and vetted pre-COVID uh, ad nauseum. How do we make certain that um, the responsibility that we have in store is translates into the responsibility delivery. at the consumer door? Absolutely. And, um, um, ultra conservative in that regard. Um, and we had to make certain that we were um, had fully vetted and and educated our uh, third party partners that uh, we engaged um, to support those deliveries together with our own um, delivery personnel. But that's fundamental um, that we cannot overemphasize um, um, that we all know this that distilled spirits um, is different than other forms of e-commerce. And, and we all have to be steadfast in that responsibility and the pressures that will continue to be on our industry um, in the future because um, spirits are different yeah. uh, in that regard, that we've got to make sure that we have full compliance, that we make sure that um, the access to underage um, um, kids is not uh, – not, uh, uh, just you know, can't be an option. No, it's it's absolutely not a, an option. We know what we do in store, and we have to, as an industry, make certain that that uh, uh, that we all never lose sight of that. As I know, we don't. Yeah, for sure. You play uh, a great leadership role within the industry and in, in participating in great organizations like ABL, the American Beverage Licensees, the Texas Package Store Association. Could you tell us a little bit about why it's important for you, you and Margaret both, uh, participate uh, in in the public policy considerations? No doubt your investment and commitment to high standards of responsibility uh, certainly are a component of that. Could you just talk about your, your leadership role within the industry, not only in Texas, but nationally as well? Chris, I, I know that that's uh, where we all recognize the, the 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 service, the public service to our industry. That's that's very fundamental. And if I was to think back twenty or thirty years ago, would uh, um, you know would would my sister and I be in leadership roles to make certain that we are shepherding um, the the lineage and history of our amazing industry. Um, I would have never, we would have never envisioned that, but here we are. Okay. And so what we look at is we, my sister and I are um, one of the few families that go back to uh, pre-prohibition and the repeal of prohibition that have um, been raised um, in this industry and that have really ultimately um, that also have an entrepreneurial spirit. So while my sister and I um, have grown up in this industry, we were entrepreneurial in that we yeah. started with one little 700-square-foot store and built it to where it is today. And, and that's because we also respect those relationships that we have with the wholesaler tier. Our family goes back with um, the the founders of the R&DC family and the founders of um, the Glazers. Glazers. Yeah. Yes, of course. Those are family household names that we knew as children growing up in this industry. And so we have the opportunity to connect and stay in touch um, with um, 
with those family members and with with their heirs as well. Yeah. And so that th- their heirs continue to connect with our heirs for the future. Um, it's our responsibility to make certain that there's good, solid communication um, at the supplier tier um, and to educate um, uh, and I use that that uh, that that term casually, but but in a sense that but it's it's a responsibility that Margaret and I have to make certain that those senior executives of the supplier tier understand the responsibilities that they have, and they do, of course. But there's no um, there's no substitute for the the stories uh, that are part of this industry that have to be told, just as we learned um, the respect of this industry, those those uh, stories have to be told with leadership at the trade level, um, at the trade association level, at the supplier level, and that is our responsibility. And we stay involved. With I'm a past president of the ABL, still a board member of the ABL. Uh, president of the Wine and Spirits Guild of America, part of the leadership of the Texas Package Store Association, um, and and ancillary elements in the in the community, and the and it's fundamental and so have yep. to maintain the communication. The beauty that we have with the three tier system is we have the responsibility to communicate at all three levels and together with the trade um, association uh, tier and to communicate those messages to our elected officials. And that's our our mutual responsibility so that we can continue to grow this industry um, so that it's, it's, it's vibrant and, um, and where it is today and in the future for future generations. Yeah. Longevity. It's our it's our responsibility, Chris. Yeah, and you know, uh, uh, you know, from time to time, suppliers, distributors, and uh, retail partners may have different views on issues. Certainly, there's been some uh, 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 challenges in terms of uh, different points of view. But the at the end of the day, it's a great industry and communicating and really rolling up our sleeves because we're all in this together to help deliver great brands to, to consumers who love those brands and enjoy the product and so forth. And we probably all agree on 90 plus percent uh, and, you know, forging those relationships and having a better understanding uh, the implications of public policy issues for each of the tiers is, is, is really part of it. And just want to thank you for your leadership and, and, and always being willing to communicate and have a dialogue on issues where uh, there may, there might be different points of view, but uh, you know, uh, a combined collective industry is a stronger industry and one that uh, shares the bond of those relationships are, are really, really key. So, well, David, uh, on behalf of the Distilled Spirits Council, we know every day, uh, on behalf of all of our member companies, the supplier tier, uh, when uh, a customer or a consumer goes into a twin liquor store, uh, they're walking in with a great experience where uh, y- uh, your, your, your great employees are building those relationships, telling the stories about the brands and, and so forth. And I can, I can just say, uh, 
on behalf of the supplier tier, how appreciative we are for all the things that you do in the Lone Star State and what you do personally from a national perspective as well. So uh, just a couple of kind of fun, fun questions. If you could be anywhere in the world, let's say post-pandemic, post-pandemic, you had mentioned earlier when you and I were talking offline, you got to go to Alaska over the summer in a careful way. Uh, But if you could be anywhere in the world to have a cocktail, where would that be? Wow. Um, So many amazing, beautiful places. You know what I always say, Chris, is uh, wherever uh, wine or spirits uh, are produced are are some of the most magical and beautiful places in the world. Um, And and so much history and and lineage. I would say that um, um, I would say that uh, in, in our industry, um, I'm always a big fan of single malt scotch. And so, so um, I think an opportunity to enjoy a, a nice single malt in Scotland. Uh, Not bad. Great opportunity to, you know, enjoy. Hard that. to get on that little island, Islay, right? It's hard to get on. You got to gotta fly a little puddle jumper or a ferry, but it is wonderful with all the peat and so forth. You can, uh, it's just an amazing, amazing experience. And, you know, thinking about it, uh, your father and your uncle, uh, they just, you know, uh, uh, they must be really, really proud of what you and Margaret have done in, in the expansion that you've done with the 90 plus stores, you're about to open one in Lubbock, Texas as well. So uh, if you had to have a cocktail with anybody, who would that person be? One person it could be somebody famous or it could be a family member and so forth. Uh, any ideas of who you would have that cocktail with? Chris, what I would say is... Um that would have to be um, the brother that my sister and I lost. Um, uh, Margaret and I lost our oldest brother uh, when he was 35 years old, and uh, that was 30 years ago. And so for us to have, for, for us to have the opportunity, for, for me to have the opportunity to have a cocktail um, with my brother, um, awesome. just to catch up because we worked together in that little 700 square foot store and uh, together with dad and, and uh, my sister. And that would be a, a treasure that uh, I would, uh, would enjoy. Well, there is no doubt he is uh, looking down on you and, and, and really just proud of what y'all have done. And, you know, what's awesome about this industry, it's about relationships and it's about moments and time to really celebrate life and celebrate relationships. So, David, on behalf of the Distilled Spirits Council, uh, a, a great thank you uh, to all that you do. Uh, hopefully I'll get down to Austin soon and uh, really look forward to working with you uh, uh, as we navigate past the pandemic. Let there be a light at the end of the tunnel and uh, a great cheers to you in Twin Liquors and thank you for all that you do. Chris, cheers to you and thank you for all of your service to our industry uh, and we look forward to staying in touch be healthy and be safe uh, during this season. Uh, Enjoy and cheers. Awesome. Cheers. The Spirited Advocate podcast was brought to you by the Distilled Spirits Council of the United States. If you'd like to be a guest speaker on the show, 
or send us topic suggestions to cover, please contact us at podcast at distilledspirits.org. And please like and share these episodes. Your support is very appreciated.